Hungry for change in your life? Feed your ambition with Board Bia Talent Academy's Insights and Innovation Program. Get some incredible food for thought with a fully funded master's from DCU Business School. Learn from world-class innovators with placements in Irish food, drink and horticulture companies. And do it all while bringing home the bacon with a generous monthly bursary. Sound like your cup of tea? Nourish your career prospects by visiting boardbia.ie forward slash talent academy. Applications closing soon. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time and it came up as I recommended and it's his picture and I did not know him from Adam. He did not look like that on the day at all. I remember the first episode I still didn't cotton on to what I was listening to and I went, oh my God, that's the guy. That's the fella. I'm Not Here To Hurt You, episode six, The Bank Teller, coming soon to all the usual spots and to independent.ie. This is an Irish independent podcast. Today on the Indo Daily, RTE in crisis and Ryan Tuberty's next move. The state broadcaster has been plunged into a financial crisis. More than 131,000 households are expected to avoid paying the TV licence this year. RTE may have lost one of their most popular presenters, but it's also on course to lose a staggering €20 million in TV licence fee revenue by the end of this year. And the government is not happy. I don't think that the Irish public would accept a financial bailout of RTE um, with with no strings attached. Um, There have to be strings attached. It has to be conditional. RTE once again has the begging bowl out, asking for an eye-watering €50 million from the government to keep the lights on. They just won't accept RTE's word on how much money they're going to need. That'll have to be independently verified. And meanwhile, staff have been shocked to learn this week that the national broadcaster gave its top executives a 10% pay increase. September of last year, uh, you had top executives like T Forbes, for example, who's already on a salary of over €300,000 a year, taking uh, this 10% pay increase. All the while, Ortiz's former golden boy, Ryan Tuberty, was on a celebrity-filled jaunt to London. But was he there for pleasure or business? He's window shopping. He's looking at talk radio, he's looking at talk sport, talk sport 2, yeah. talk TV, Virgin Radio, prices, property uh, prices. Maybe buying a bike. I'm Ellen Coyne, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Hugh O'Connell, Deputy Political Editor with the Irish Independent, and Kirsty Blake Knox, Features Journalist with the Irish Independent, to look at the next moves for both RTE and Ryan Tuberty. So it's another week and another RTE crisis. Hugh, the Public Service Broadcaster's annual report was finally published after a little bit of a delay. Can you talk us through uh, some of the main points from it? Well, the headline from it really is that Orsi lost nearly 2.8 million last year, returning to, into the red after two years of posting surpluses during the, the COVID uh, lockdowns in 2020 and 2021. And the primary driver of this deficit was the Toy Show musical, 
uh, a loss of 2.2 million, which we knew about from the Oireachtas committee hearings, but it just shows the extent to which that was a commercial disaster for RTE and impacted on its bottom line for the year. The other main headline out of it was in the context of that 2.8 million loss, you had this extraordinary decision by the board of RTE to restore a 10% pay cut that the executive board of RTE, including the director general, D. Forbes, had taken in late 2019 in response to a, a round of cost cutting um, in light of the perilous financial situation the RTE has found itself in for much of the last 15 years, really. Um, so they took this pay cut. They maintained it during the COVID uh, years, and then in September of last year, they decided to restore the 10% pay cut. So at the same time that the boards decided to take their board fees, and these are these are small fees that they get on an annual basis, it's no more than 15,000 or, there, or thereabouts for each board member. Uh, you had top executives like D. Forbes, for example, who's already on a salary of well over 300,000 euro a year, taking uh, this 10% pay increase, or, or reinstatement, as she might argue. So those are the kind of things I think that would will once again make a lot of people question just what on earth was going on at Orti in all this time. A 10% pay increase in the context of the the kind of bleak financial vista that you said out there is kind of mad really, isn't it? Like, mm. do we have any idea how that news is going down with ordinary workers in Orti who've been facing a lot of financial restriction over the last few years? Ortiz also on the front of the Irish Independent. The staff are furious, apparently. The reason being they're raging because it emerged that Ortiz top executives' pay rose by 10% last year, while the broadcaster recorded a 2.8 million euro deficit. So the former executive team took a 10% pay cut in 2020, but that was actually reversed at the end of August last year. Well, it's not going down well. Um, <laughs> I think that's that's pretty clear. And I think that's because uh, staff didn't know about this. And I think Seamus Dooley from the National Union of Journalists articulated this quite clearly, that this wasn't seen as a temporary pay cut when it was taken in 2019. Uh, there was no mention of the word temporary. There was no mention of the possibility of it being reinstated when Ortiz's financial position had improved. The kind of shocking thing about it is that, you know, Ortiz went through two years of, of posting small surpluses as a result of, of COVID lockdowns. And it would have been probably pretty clear to Orti towards the end of last year that their financial situation had disimproved on the previous two years, that they decided that that was time to, to restore pay. And bear in mind as well, you know, members of the executive board, they're all on six-figure salaries, I think. These are not people who are uh, you know, on some of the lowest salaries in Orti, 30, 40,000 euro. So I think staff are rightly pretty shocked, pretty angry, and they're, they're hoping, as Shuni Rahli is outlined in her letter, that this is very much in the past now for Orti and that moving forward, top executive pay is going to be cut, the pay of top presenters is going to be cut. There's going to be more of a spirit of being in it together as opposed to one sort of uh, cosseted cohort within the broadcaster. Christy, Hugh kind of outlined there how desperate RTE is to place this as something that happened in the cultural past, you know, the, the far away days of last year. Um, it's a very glossy document. I think Ryan Tuberty is actually on the cover of it. In terms of like from a PR perspective, how difficult do you think it is for RTE to try to put this annual report out in a good light when you have that sort of financial position in it and the shock of the 10% pay increase for its its top execs? Yeah, it's pretty much impossible to put a positive bin on it. And I think that, like you said, there's kind of definitely trying to draw a line and say that was the past, this is the future and we're moving forward. But I don't know how easy 
that is to swallow if you're in there and you're working on productions where your budgets have been sh- like massively reduced and shrunk and your resources are have diminished and stuff. I don't know if that's an going to be that much of a bam to someone kind of saying well we're not going to do it again like it must be incredibly galling so I can understand why they're doing that I just don't know if it's going to have the effect that they think it is. And something that really stood out in the report, and I think Hugh has mentioned it and also reported in his coverage, that one of the the biggest reasons for the deficit was the now infamous Toito the Musical. Yeah. Um, I think in the report, it's kind of the same justifications coming from RTE. You know, the children loved it. We have to kind of try new things. But is this something that's going to haunt RTE at a time when it actually needs to earn a lot of money from big live events? Of course it is and it should haunt them like it was a massive massive error and like we've said before this uh, kind of uh, defence that the children loved it is just fundamentally flawed because people would have gone to see it if children loved it like it would have been successful if it was a good show it wasn't just a little bit of a failure or like it was a total flop and that needs to be interrogated when we were looking into that there was a lot of attempts by RT to kind of like uh, play down how much of a disaster it had been and so they really do need to be held account for that and that's something that needs to be exposed as to how that got signed off on and who are the people responsible like that still needs to be kind of examined. And there are more difficulties for RTE on the horizon. I know Hugh you were also reporting this week new information on how much RTE expects to lose in TV license revenue this year. Can you kind of uh, break that down for us? Yeah so we've we've been hearing over the summer since the Tuberty controversy broke of of this kind of weekly report on the number of TV licenses being sold compared to the same period last year. It started off at a kind of a 20-30% decline. But if you look at the most recent figures for the last week of August, um, the Department of Media says the TV licence sales for the final week of August were 6,629 compared to the same period in 2022 when it was 11,220. So that's a a more than 40% drop. Uh, The bottom line is that Orsi is losing about a million euro a week or or the TV licence revenue is falling by about a million euro a week. Um, So that's pretty stark. Now, uh, for RTE, uh, you do a quick tally, I think it's about six, seven million so far. Um, But the projections that RTE have submitted to government is that they're going to lose 21 million euro in license fee revenue this year as a result of this. And that's not even, as far as I'm aware, taking account of the normal kind of 15% of the population who don't pay it anyway and never really have, uh, which RTE has has been giving out about for years. So that puts the station in, in an immediate kind of cash crisis, cash funding crisis. So they've asked the government for interim funding of 34.5 million. Uh, that was an ask first made by D Forbes in May of, of this year before all of this controversy broke. Kevin Backhurst, her, her successor, has re-upped that request and he's pointed out that they're going to take a drop in, in of 21 million in license fee revenue this year. So you add that together, that's about 54, 55 million um, that ORT is looking for. Um, so what the government has said is, we want to interrogate this figure. So they've asked New Era, this agency set up to advise the government on the financial affairs of state companies to interrogate these figures and report back as to you know how much they think Orti should get in, in a budget bailout. But the bottom line is that even those people who are now refusing to pay the TV license, assuming they're mostly law-abiding taxpayers, they're going to end up paying for it anyway. Do you think? Through? Yeah, through a, through a bailout, um, through some form of a bailout. 
which will my information be upwards of 50 million um we'll, but we'll see we'll see how that transpires over the weeks ahead and of course again this brings up the question for this government as to what they're going to do about public funding of, of of broadcasting in the long run it's also worth noting that rte is is um it's a commercial semi-state and it was set up as a commercial semi-state in the late 90 in the early 90s when it was taken out of the remit of the controller and auditor general who's the state's auditor and the idea was that it would be a commercial semi-state it, it would get the majority of its funding from commercial revenue but for the last 10 years the majority of its funding has come from the tv license fee so it's not operating like a, a proper commercial semi-state it's operating like a state company that's being bankrolled majority by the taxpayer every year you look at the annual report published for last year, license fee revenue nearly 200 million, commercial revenue just over 150 million. So you can see the imbalance there. Orty really should be under the control of the controller and auditor general. And these kinds of checks and balances would probably avoid the kind of crisis we've been talking about for the last three months. And when you're talking there about effectively a bailout from the government to help RTE, at a time when RTE is probably the least popular it's been in living memory, I'd be really interested to know what ministers think about being seen to hand over so much public money to a deeply unpopular yeah. organisation. Yeah, that's going to be a difficult political challenge. Um, there's going to be a lot of tough talk. I think you're going to hear even even the Taoiseach on, on Wednesday was talking about, you know, that we, we won't be handing over a blank check uh, and we'll be demanding, a, you know, a, an update on the progress of reforms within the organisation. I think in fairness to Kevin Backhurst, the new Director General, he, he sort of set a benchmark for the future pay of top presenters when it emerged that they were close to a deal with Ryan Tuberty for a return on €170,000. So, Bringing the salary under the level of the Taoiseach and Tornister, for example, is an important sort of uh, signal, I think, that mm -hmm. Orti is serious about cutting costs. Mm. Um, but they're going to have to show a lot more uh, in order to get this bailout from the government. Mm. Um, and then the government has to look at, well, how are we going to fund Orti into, into the future? How are we going to reform the license fee model? Um, so it, it won't be a blank check. And as I said, I think you'll hear, hear a lot of people in government talking very tough about this. But ultimately... Orti is a national institution. Mm. Um, it is valued, I think, still by by the, the majority of the population. They may not be prepared to pay for it at this point in time <laughs> for good reason. Um, but I don't think they'd like the prospect of seeing it go under, which is why they'll get money. But it is for Orti and the Orti board now to come forward with a plan that shows that there's a different culture, that there's a different attitude um, in relation to Orti, and to show the people of Ireland, not the government, but to show the people of Ireland that they can have confidence that the money being invested in Orti is going into public service broadcasting. And that is really interesting when you talk about, you know, despite all the controversies, at its heart, I suppose most people <clears throat> maybe would reluctantly agree that there is a lot in RTE that's worth saving. And as Hugh mentioned, you know, we already had a kind of 15% non-compliance rate with the TV licence, which I understand is is higher than other European countries. But I think most people, when they look at how many people aren't paying now, would probably attribute that to the, the ongoing payments controversy. Do you think that that's something that's going to last, that people are going to continue to refuse to pay? Uh, or do you think that, you know, as time goes on, people will kind of forget about this and their anger will ease and they will start paying again. Inevitably and eventually it will ease, but I think it's a long road to get to that place and I think they've really got a lot of work ahead of them to kind of gain that public trust back. People are very angry about it. That money was 
like squandered like we said especially in relation to the musical and stuff like that but I do think fundamentally people have a like what Ortiz stands for they like the idea of having a national broadcaster we're so interested in Ortiz stars like we'll like we're fascinated by kind of like homegrown talent and stuff like that and I think most people will admit that it would be a real shame if the impact of this really affected those programming that was coming out. So despite the anger, I do think there's a lot of affection for for Ortiz still. And the government had already been trying to do some work on how we fund public service yeah. broadcasting in general, not just Ortiz, and had kind of done this work through a Future of Media Commission. Um, and there's been a lot of reports in the media about what model they may or may not go for. How do you think... Uh, it would go down with the public if the government were to go ahead with something like a household charge for RT. I think some people really, that doesn't sit well with. And like, I've heard people who are quite proud of not paying the license fee. Really? But then I've also heard people who actually, it's almost like they like, you've heard, everyone's heard someone say, that's not why I pay my license fee. Like, that <laughs> is why I pay my license fee. Like, like, it's quite, I find it quite funny when people say that, like, because because there's a kind of ownership over it, you know, type of thing. I think when anyone's being forced to do something, there's always going to be some kickback. But it needs to be funded and you need to find an effective model to do to do that. And with an election looming in the in the kind of relatively close future, mm. is there any anxiety that if they don't get this sorted before the election, it could become an election issue and people would start having nightmares of maybe like water charges type campaigns of non-compliance? I don't think that uh, the Irish public would accept a financial bailout of RTE um, with, with no strings attached. Um, there have to be strings attached. It has to be conditional. Well, we're kind of seeing a kind of a water charges style campaign right now of non-compliance. I mean, there's no real organisation to it. There's no protests on the street. There's no Facebook groups that I've come across. Um, but there is certainly people are, are voting in their droves not to uh, or are opting in their droves not to, to not to pay the TV licence. Um, the government has, has said very clearly they want to get this sorted by the next election. But it's difficult to see that. I, I still think it's a real challenge to get this this fixed and boxed off before the next election. So it could enter the, po the political arena in an election campaign. Um, and it would be interesting then to see what, what each of the political parties would propose to do to, to fix this issue. So RT obviously has plenty on its plate this week. It's found itself back on the front pages again. And then in the background, we have um, erstwhile RT star Ryan Tuberty uh, kind of jaunting around London and going to Tintin shops and burger joints. Uh, Kirsty, can you fill us in on uh, what this trip to London is about? Is this business or pleasure? Well, it was a bit of both. I feel like at the moment, Ryan Tuberty's being a bit more vocal on social media and there's so much like, what will he do next? That we're all like, kind of like a lot of people in the media and a lot of his fans are like following his posts. Like mm. I almost think the way that like you kind of might forensically study your ex's Instagram <laughs> stories or something. You're kind of like, what does it mean? Who's he with? Are they even friends? You know, type of thing. So um, he went to London. He went, as you said, he went and he got some burgers, checked out some bookstores, did very kind of on-brand Ryan Tuberty things. Greetings from London town. It is very beautiful. It is 24 degrees. And I'm excited because I'm about to go into one of my all-time favourite bookshops in the world. One of my favourite burger joints in the world. Not available in Ireland. Shake Shack. He met up with Piers Morgan and they had a lunch together and um, celebrated being in the Sacked Presenters Club because um, he was obviously turfed off this morning when he got in a fight with the weatherman um, about <laughs> Meghan Markle. Um, but, and then he met, went on Chris Evans' radio show on Virgin and kind of almost 
it was a very kind of strange segment. He almost did like a kind of potted history of his career. He worked in, in Irish broadcast, national broadcaster for about 20 years, uh-huh. presented what was called the longest running chat show in the world, The Late Late Show. Yep. I was the third. Think of it as the TARDIS. I was the third doctor. <laughs> okay. And uh, did that for 14 years and did radio for another 20 years. Loved, loved, loved it. There's been a lot of headlines that, oh, maybe this means he's going to go to London or not. But I kind of think, yeah, sure, he's trying to raise his profile over there. It's also to kind of let people here know, I'm in demand, I still have mm. contacts, I'm I'm still like going out and I have options open. But like, presenters don't give presenters jobs. Chris Evans isn't going to turn around and say, oh, Ryan, do you want this? You can have this, what I'm doing. Like, you can have my show. You know, that's not going to work. And Piers Morgan, is he going to give Ryan a job? I don't think so. I think that the reality is, is that the audience in the UK is a lot smaller than in Ireland. Even the fact that he had to basically read out a CV on the Chris Evans show to, to let people know who he was tells that there's not the same audience there. So... I mean, it could lead to something, but I don't think it's a definite, this is where his his future lies. Yeah. But I think the stuff coming out this week about 21 million and it tying into the payment scandals does make, like Kevin Backer said, the door is indefinitely closed. I think it closed a little bit with this. Like, it's very hard now. That loss is being directly attributed to something that he's so identified with. Yeah. That it kind of seems like, how could he ever go back into RT like I, I know that they've said the door isn't firmly shut but it does seem to be like slowly closing a bit more and I'm interested in your very astute comparison with Ryan Tuberty kind of being Ireland's ex-boyfriend like yes. he was in RT for 20 years yeah. his radio show had like a really really loyal yeah. fan base I know he was like people could kind of take him or leave him in the yeah. late late you either loved him or didn't like him very much yeah. but do you not think an Irish audience would be a little bit pissed off if they've kind of had this loyal relationship with RT mm-hmm. and then as soon as with Ryan Toberty and then as soon as it didn't work out for him in RT he kind of goes across the water straight away I don't know I don't know if they'd be annoyed by that I think some people are a bit surprised that he went for like some people on social media were saying oh it's surprised he had lunch with Piers Morgan but then Piers Morgan was a regular guest on yeah. the Late Late Show and they always went for pints together and stuff like that after the show I guess he's trying to strike while the iron's hot everyone, I'm, like, everyone wants to know what I'm up to I'm going to kind of own that narrative or whatever but I think that there's a sense like maybe just slow down a bit like Mm. I was talking to some uh, PR experts and they were like jumping into a career when you're on the rebound is like jumping into a long-term relationship when you're on the rebound there's like a lot of cons and it might be good to take some time back and kind of say okay what am I as who am I as a person like he's been an RT so long like even just kind of like who am I without RT would be a big thing to kind of get your head around And it feels like he's like charging ahead when maybe, I don't know, I'm just kind of like, just just take a step back. (laughs) (laughs) Just have a think, regroup, you know, type of thing. So, um, so yeah, but he does seem to kind of really want to kind of get out there and let people know that, I guess, that he can survive without RT is, is I think, what the message he wants to put forward. If you had to guess, where do you think he will end up? I'd be really surprised if he went to the UK because I just cannot see him landing a big radio show or something like that over there. And I just don't think he has the contacts that he that he had over here. Mm. Like like I said, we could do a podcast series, maybe we'll do documentaries for other, maybe we'll go into different radio, but it's all a lot of ifs, what's and buts. Like I, there's no definite thing that you're like, that makes the most sense to do that. And there have been people coming out, like I know classic Hits FM were like, we'll offer you a job. So there's definitely people interested, but I don't know if he's kind of, Seriously considering that, you know? Yeah. Hugh, do you have any strong feelings on where you'd like to see Ryan Tuberty? <laughs> and Christy's right. Um, 
and you quote Terry Prone, the, the PR yeah. uh, guru, in 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 your piece today in in the Indo. Um, take take some time out. You know, I mean, this has been traumatic, I imagine, for him um, mm. as well as the country, <laughs> yes, <laughs> as well as for, as RTE. Yeah. So I think it's important for him to take some time out. He doesn't seem minded to do that. He seems to want to throw himself straight into it. Where he'll end up, it's impossible to say. There's no doubt he has a loyal fan base, and there's no doubt people will be uh, will be very interested to see where he ends up, but probably not uh, on the airwaves of RTE anytime soon. Mm. Well, this probably won't be the last time we're discussing RTE's troubles in this studio, but uh, Kirsty and Hugh, thank you so much for coming in and taking us through the latest twists in this tale. Thanks thank so you. much. I'm Ellen Coyne and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Garrett Mulhall, researched by Dave Hanretty with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from Virgin Radio, Instagram, News Talk, RTE and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.